Thank you for tuning in to GV Talks, a podcast where I speak to locals about what's going on in the community. All people, whether successful or struggling, make our community what it is. GV Talks highlights those making a difference. Tune in every Thursday for a new episode. The podcast is proudly sponsored by Origin Athletics, a local 24-7 gym dedicated to getting you fit and healthy. Mention that you heard about the club from the podcast and pay no joining fee. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Rocky, thank you for joining me on Jerry Talks. Thanks, Harley. Thanks for having me. Did you know you were the very first person I met in Shepparton? Oh, no, I didn't know that. There you go. Um, so I leased my gym building yes, off you. I recall. I was on a boat... Uh, I mean, you were nego- or you were helping me negotiate the lease, yes. and like we were kind of at the the end game of it all. And I got on this boat to go on a cruise for New Year's, yeah. and we had no reception, so That's I right. didn't know where we were at. Like, I felt like I felt like we had it kind of. We were kind of getting close, and I felt like we had it. The last day I was on that boat, I was on the boat for seven days. Yes, the last boat, uh, the last night. I did not sleep. Yeah, he did. I was so excited yeah. to get off the boat and read your email <laughs> to tell me if I was going to be able to pretty much come do my yes. dream. Yes, yes. Like, yes. How, how cool is that? Like, you oh. get to be part of my story. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good, isn't it? I was wrapped for you, actually, when you when you did it, because I thought you, you could see the energy you had. And I was when I met you, I was, when I spoke to the landlords, I said, I think this kid will be all right. You know, this kid will be we're good. Yeah. Well, so, um, it, it's been a good fit. The yeah, landlords have been yeah. unreal. And they are good. Very good. All right, before we get too deep into it, do you want to let the Shepparton locals know who they're listening to? Yeah, um, Rocky. My name's Rocky Gagliardi. Um, but probably everyone sort of knows me as uh, Gagliardi Scott Real Estate or, or a real estate uh, agent in Shepparton area in the Greater Valleys. Yeah. yeah, been doing it for over 20 odd years now, 23, I think. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, Shepparton local. It's born and bred Shepparton, yeah. yeah. Um, was it I born in a GB based hospital? Mum and dad, uh, obviously migrated from Italy, so both Italian. Um, I was born here in 1972. Yeah, so what, never never left Shepparton. What did your folks do? Mild, no, not my dad did a lot of just unskilled labour. Um, he basically worked in the the, the orchards, um, orchard orchard. He did a lot of council um, train lines, so helped that. Um, as well and he, he worked at a couple of factories around town I think as well from memory um, mum mum worked at uh, SPC as they all did during the season um, I think both mum and dad worked at Campbell Soups um, and mum also worked at Click Heating you probably don't remember Click Heating but Click Heating is an old wool factory it was pretty where Oakey's toy warehouse is now um, and that was a really big employer um, in Shepparton um, Click Heating so a lot of the older listeners will probably remember that but mum worked there I think and I was might have been in her belly at the time when I was working there or, yeah. know, or I think it was there or Campbell's but yeah yeah. why did they move to Australia? right so my mum and dad come from a little small town called Fabrizia which is in top of this big big mountain in Calabria and it's a really tiny village um, so there's not really much employment and at the time um, my dad um, had his brothers and his uncles had come, or I think his uncle come out to Australia previously and his brothers also come out and his sisters come out um, 
and there was a life here for him. There was no life in Italy as far as work concerned. Um, and Australia at the time was driving uh, immigration to come here to help um, obviously grow the population and help you know the workforce you know yeah. and obviously the labour like the fortunes and so forth and they jumped at the opportunity I suppose in, in particular dad when he, know, he knew he had family here um, I think they, my granddad passed away when they were young um, both granddads did so so when dad left his I think his two sisters and his mother um back in Italy and he went and followed his, his brothers and sisters here and his uncle that was here too um, so yeah that's that's how they come up here and then then um, funny story mum then back then they all, all pretty much you know it was arranged type things weddings and that sort of stuff and when dad settled down a few years and got comfortable he read, wrote a letter home saying I'm looking for a wife and their mum said yeah and then mum come from a, a um What's a, a tough upbringing? Her mum, her dad passed away really, really young, died of a heart attack, um, and so she was the oldest of the three sisters, and it was just left to three ladies and a mum. Is an amazing woman, and they back then the way it, it would seen is if mum then went to Australia, married dad, it takes the pressure off um, her mum and yes. providing for her family, and they would work in and they'd send money, so they'd send money back. Um, to help out both parents so mum that mum's mum and dad's mum and and as they did all the family did um so that supported them so that was a way of you know sacrificing and moving forward starting your own family in a new world so that would have been really daunting you know yeah yeah how does your dad feel about australia or does he miss italy oh i'd say they don't miss italy anymore i think mum does i think dad i think he's used to australia it's home for him um I think he's uh, there's no ties back there for him anymore. So I think, but look, look, Dad's close to eighty now. Um, so look, I think back in the day there would have been no doubt there would have had times of homesickness and that I could imagine. I can't imagine it would have been going through the heads. So it would have been a hard life for you know any sort of migrant to come to Australia to think that way and live from his home. But it wasn't it wasn't an easy life over there either. Yeah. Um, so because so you see, have positive and negatives, but yeah, I, I think he's quite comfortable. I think mum misses it more. Yeah. What was uh, your upbringing like compared to your son Jaden's? Completely different. <laughs> elaborate, please elaborate. Um, well, Jaden had Madison. Uh, Madison's my older daughter. She. Um, so oh, I keep saying it, but they probably don't resonate. But, but we didn't have anything growing up. I mean, and like my, most kids, um, don't have what you have today. But we were probably especially. Uh, weren't well off or anything like that. That they battled um, all the time. You know, obviously working hard, labour and so forth, and didn't have the the knowledge of the Australian Australian culture or the English language. Um, so that made it um, that that's different in itself because then it's my responsibilities as the oldest son of the family um, growing up um, was different to say Madison's and, and Jaden's, but. But we we live we appreciated things um, differently. We lived a harder life as far as um, you know day to day sort of thing. Where Jaden and Madison, you know, they've got it all for them. You know, it's done. It's like every kid that loves today. It's you know, I yeah. mean, they're, they're great kids, but they probably have, have it no way. Look, I always say to my um, my kids that our biggest thing, and they laugh if they listen to this. But I remember growing up and. My, if I'd say to my dad, oh, I want to buy a cricket bat, he'd just laugh at me or say, go and open a book and study, go go get ahead in life. And not knowing that that's, 
he didn't want me to do what he did, you know. Um, but I just thought he was just being really hard and this strict and, you know. But So he wasn't really into that sport um, and that, that side of things. So he's not encouraging and that, that was their mindset. Um, where well, I really encourage that side of things for both my kids to do that. Um, but I'd get a... I'd, uh, my, my brother and I would be highly sporty, cricket, footy, you name it, and all our mates around our area. And our biggest thing would so I'd say to my kids, you know, the biggest difference is for us, for a, for a cricket bat, we'd get the old wooden fence paling from next door to fall over and cut it out and make it a, a cricket bat and play cricket in the front lawn or back lawn. And that was our cricket bat. That's what we, we made what we had. Yeah. Um, where these days you go into Rebel Sports or whatever, you buy a cheap bat or it was always given to you. It was always a cricket bat. It was always... So it's, it's a different, completely different lifestyle. Yeah. I'm sure you teach your kids appreciation, but it's a different... It's different when you actually lived it. Correct. When you've actually... Like, it hasn't been taught to you. You just had to learn how to appreciate what yeah. you had because literally that's all you had. It's and awesome. we're, we're living in a time where it's abundance of... Yes. Of everything, which is a good problem to have. Yes, correct, yeah. Like, you, yeah. you'd be happy that your kids are so abundantly, oh, so many I, opportunities. Yeah, and, I didn't want to go for what we did, but we didn't know any different. But but we could see other kids, what they had, what they got. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't. We didn't have the brands. We didn't have all that, but the other kids did. But we didn't. We didn't worry us. We were happy. And we knew, but we knew what the limitations were. We, um, plus, myself growing up, I was the oldest. Um, so, to me, I was sort of forging being the, the what do you call it, the, um, communicator between, um, you know, help mum and dad to talk to people and translate or sign documents or go to a doctor or do this. So all that sort of stuff. When I got a bit older, a lot of my, my auntie and that um, helped help mum and dad at that stage. But when I got older, um, when I'm talking like you know six or seven or eight, when I could understand a bit better, that um, I took a lot more responsibility and um, in that time frame. And you know, it still happens today, but. My time's probably not as great, so my brother, my my sister, when she was here in Norway, that uh, they do a lot more of that now. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you finish school? Yeah, finished year twelve. What did you want to do? Oh, I was a dreamer back then, Harley. So I didn't know what I wanted to do really. But my my ambition was I wanted to be was sports management yeah. um, at the time, and I remember it, um, looking into it, and I think Swinburne at the time was around and they had a sports management class or, or course, but just didn't have the opportunity to do it um, in that regards. And I didn't think you needed to, to be past year 12 to do it or anything like that at the time. But um, when I finished school, it was, uh, it was well, pretty much the recession time. So it was it was no work out there and I didn't have the smarts, the, the book smarts. I wasn't the cleverest bloke in the, in the classroom. I think a lot of my teachers, like Lindsay Dan will probably tell you that, you had him on here not long ago. He was one of my teachers. and. He was a great teacher, but um, no, nah, but I'd learnt my street smarts probably more or smarter at that than, than actually the books, if that makes sense. And um, realised that um, that was too hard to do because a lot of study to do back then um, to go and do sports management. So I was concentrating on working and yeah, forging ahead. Yeah. What journey jobs did you have? Sorry, Mister. Like what journey jobs did you have? Oh, I had. Um, I worked from like Kmart and the cash registers uh, when I was 16. Um, from there, I also worked at the Sherbourne Hotels, bar manager downstairs for a little bit and upstairs in the nightclub. Um, Jeffrey Thompson Package Shed, Campbell Soups. I worked there for four or five years full time. Um, SPC, I worked there seasonal. Um, I drove, drove pizza, 
deliveries there for a while. I worked in a pizza shop, another pizza shop for a while. Uh, geez, I forgot. I forgot. Probably a few more jobs that I did. But at one stage, I had three or four jobs at, um, to make up um, a full time job because there wasn't a really lot of full time jobs around at the time um, because of the recession. The interest rates were pretty high. And but if you've worked, looked for it, you found it. You know, and the work you found. So yeah, you you could probably relate that work ethic back to your upbringing. Yeah, we had no choice. Like we saw how how hard everyone worked and not just my mum and dad but all our families and their older general uncles and aunties and cousins older cousins and that and that was what you grew up in so yeah you saw what their work ethic and they probably looked at me and said geez you're a lazy bum because we used to muck around all the time and, and we did we were brats as kids growing up um, so yeah no but but yeah you get that work ethic you, you learn and you but you know you got to do it you got no choice yeah you know yeah so how does this all lead into you studying real estate uh, so when I did real estate, I did a bit of work experience there with Damien White and Ron Stewart. I finally didn't remember that when I told him that, but um, a long time ago, I just said what it was like. And um, so I did when I finished school, I did a sub agent's license because I I had uh, I was a bit like I said before, I was a bit of a dreamer. Then I was a bit naive and things. So I thought oh, I'd be good to get a job. With, as a real estate agent, because I could drive around in a car all day and listen to the cricket during the summer and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was that was a good way, just go and show houses or whatever, and you're laughing. But so, I what my journey to real estate um, was a good one because I um, we got married. I was young when I got, we got married and bought a house and I wanted to build one and um, we saw a block of land and we rang an agency and she said to me, "Oh no, it's sold." Said, oh no, she told me the price actually, and it was too expensive. We said, "No, don't worry about it." And then she rang me four months, five months later. It was it was incredible, really. She remembered, took the number. I thought, Jesus, you know. Um, and she remembered and said, oh, that block of land's dropped. I think it was 10 grand at the time. Um, and I said, oh, no, I'm not interested in my block of land, but I'm interested in getting in real estate. And she said, oh, interesting. Um, my boss is looking for it. Do you speak Italian? I said, yeah, I do. And she said, oh, my boss is looking for someone of Italian, Italian background. I said, oh, I wouldn't mind having a go at it. And... Um, so she told me the boss's name and all that, and I rang him up and I said, look, I want to come and see you, I want an appointment. And he goes, oh, all right. I didn't tell him what it was about, dressed up in the suits and had a briefcase with me with nothing in it. And uh, he walked in and he sat down in his office and he said, what can I what can I do you for? I said, oh, I heard you're looking for a, an agent. She, he scratched his head, he goes, how'd you get that? And I said, oh, one of your agents told me you're looking potentially for an Italian uh, speaking boy. And um, that was Roland Crosby. and. I think I was impressed that I actually made the time to go and see him and not actually send him a resume and make the time and then um, told him a bit about myself and he was intrigued and he was really good about it and I left and I didn't have any feeling whether I was going to get anything or not. Um, he did a bit of research. He knew a lot of people that I knew. He, he's obviously pretty big in football around the area and I played footy, footy club at the time and he knew a lot of people in there um, as well and you know, got good feedback and... He ran me back and he said, his wife wanted to talk to me. So I went back there and did that and and he said to me, he said, Rocky, he said, I've got one problem with you. I said, what's that? I said, you told me you paid your house off. I said, yeah, I have. I worked really hard for four or five years. It wasn't, I mean, they had the times only 100,000, but it was a lot of money back then. But we did, paid, worked hard, always saved my pennies and taught my mum and dad. Yeah. And he said, um, I don't know if you got the hunger to do it. I said, oh, oh. No, I do. And he goes, well, how? I said, because my wife wants to build a new home. 
I said, it's going to be an expensive one if we do. <laughs> I said, I, I need to pay that off. That's going to be a lot more expensive and I'm going to have a pretty big mortgage as everyone does at the time. And he laughed and chuckled, let me go and then ran me back a few weeks later and said, yeah, I want you to start with me. And, yeah. Uh, but, that sounded like a little bit of a test. Yeah, well, he, I didn't know. And he was obviously listening and reading between the lines. But yeah, it was a bit of a test because back then it was driven by hunger and all that sort of stuff. It was how hungry you are. You know, how, how hungry is my agent to go and win a listing? And that's the way it was perceived back then. And that still is element, one of the elements in, in the industry today, but there's a lot more to it than just, you know, just being that it was dog eat dog sort of type, uh, different type of the era back then and how they did it. Yeah. It's such an interesting way to get a job. Yeah. Like, how would you respond if somebody did that to you these days? I'd appreciate it. Yeah? Yeah, I, I mean, and this, this is going to, geez, I hope. How, how am I going to answer this, Carl? Because this could... could uh, <laughs> <You're gonna have> some, <laughs> uh, some guys rough up in suits. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I get a lot of resumes that get dropped off at the front. Um, and that's good. You look at them and you keep my file on that. Um, I'm one for initiative um, and people that um, make their own way. If they've got the, the nows to go ahead and um, go and ask, for a, ask me for a job, I mean, I'm not going to give the person a job, but if they tick the boxes... Yeah, why not? If they've showed the initiative and there's a spot there. Yeah. Yeah, that's more appealing than someone just dropping a resume at the front and keep going on. Like, And that's different too. I mean, you've got admin staff and that. That's different. Um, but still, it's the same in that regard that if they said, look, um, they want to meet with me and talk to me and, you know, yeah. I'll probably be more smart. I'll ask what's it about though. Yeah. <laughs> do, you do, um, do you do the hunger test on your guys? No, it is, I do tests on... My test's a bit different on agencies. I mean, you know, Sean, um, he's hungry anyway, you can tell, generally, um, because he's, he's proud. He's a proud young kid. So he had a different um, outlook. He's got a different way of doing things. And when I, I sort of headhunted Sean, um, I chipped away at him a bit. He probably didn't realise what I was doing. And But he's such a great persona. He's got such a good personality, and that's a big thing in his aura. People come within his aura, they like him. That's, a, that's an instant thing. When someone's going to sell possibly their only asset in their home, they want to be comfortable with the person they sell with. And if you want to make a career of yourself, and, and Sean's got a lot of contacts and a lot of people in different areas, and he's well known in the area. Uh, so that, that that's, you know, he's a perfect example as probably someone would go, oh, he wouldn't be an ideal agent. Well, I look at it and go, well, I reckon he would be great. Yeah. Know? So, and, you know, Gerald was the same. Um, I actually. Head out to Gerald um, back in the day, and he was tossing up whether he comes working real estate or going working identity. And <laughs> that's the difference. And um, I remember Jesse's wife and Gerald coming into my house one night, and um, yeah, and sort of told him, you know, you're not going to lose anything. You know, I went to explain it all to him, explained to him why he'd be successful. And I thought these are the right drivers, and you know, he hasn't looked back, Gerald, either. You know, he's been in it 15 years, and I think, or close to it, and been extremely successful, you know. You sound like a bit of a salesman, obviously. Well, <laughs> if I see someone I like and I think they can go, they got the right. Yeah, well, you sell it to them, don't you? It's a, it's a great lifestyle to have if you if you do it right. You know what? Uh, what characteristics make a good salesperson? I think uh, I like the one you brought up about Sean, like the aura. The aura. I definitely. Sure, and Gerald, that Gerald's before. got the same. So Gerald, we played cricket with Gerald back in the day, and I, I watched him, and I could see that he, people gravitated to it naturally. Yeah. Um, they liked him. They felt comfortable with him. You could see my body language um, by how the people are when they 
talk you put, you put, if you sit back and watch people you can see if they're tensed up or not and and yeah, generally you know you can see that Gerald was very well liked you know by this peer group and that's a big sign you know um, and then you know the other characteristics is you know their contact base and you know their their farming area who they who they can delve into and what they've done and Gerald come he worked at IK Coldwell so he had a lot of contacts a bit like myself at Campbell Soups who worked at four years a lot of contacts there and He's footy and you know, Sip Swans and cricket, the old students' cricket club. And, you know, and then, you know, that just branches. He's got a lot of networks that you can delve in. And 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 when he makes a phone call, I mean, these days you, you hear the saying where people go, oh, no salesman, or oh, I don't want to hear another salesman, they hang up the phone. But if Gerald Sabri rings you up or Sean Reid rings you up, they, they're willing to have a chat. They like him. You know, they, they know who he is. You know, oh, yeah, no, Gerald, what are you doing? And, you know, it's not... You know, oh no, he's cringing. He's ringing me about my house, and yeah. you know, then they're not. You know, it's a it's an easy way of um, people relating to him and or to them too, and yeah. Do you think uh, having your real estate business in a town the size of Shepparton yeah. helps it perform better because people do have those connections? Certainly, yeah, yeah, and it's easy. Like I always say to, um, it's easy here if you're the right person and say in Melbourne, um, where Melbourne is just relentless and ruthless and, you know, phone calls and just, you know, you just, you don't know many people in the city, yeah. you know, and you, they do join clubs generally. It's almost a fake. They're joining clubs just to get to contacts, to get to, not that they enjoy that, or well, they may, but, but it's they're generating that to get that extra lead, to get that extra edge on their opponent or their, you know, competitor, you know, where, um, here it's naturally you grew up in grassroots, so if you yeah you made of the right stuff because it's not I mean real estate's not for everyone, so it's it's a it's a stressful um, industry to be in. Um, so if you've got the the, the makeup of it um, and you've got that you know that base behind the characteristics and those connections, yeah, you you can be very successful. What makes the job stressful? Um, well, if you become at a certain level, and I mean like if you get to a level that you're successful at. So you become a successful real estate agent and there's no doubt the stress. Um, you're handing multiple properties for people that it's primarily their own asset. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of emotion involved, not just by the vendor, by the purchaser. You're dealing, you're negotiating the best possible figure for everyone, and not just the owner, but the, the purchaser also needs to feel like they're, 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 they're dealing with someone. Because if, if you're dealing with a purchaser and you've got a good relationship, that's even better for the, for the owner. You know, and, and, and if you can get that dialogue going and, and negotiate that, then you get to ultimately get the best price. Um, so, and, and then you, you're on, you know, phone, you're on the phone 24-7. So you're, you're always on call. People don't really, um, you know, you're in the industry, you're in the public eye. So, if you know, that so the people know um, they can ring you on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. They can ring you Saturday. They can text you late at night. I get text messages 11 o'clock at night from a randoms looking for to buy this, looking to buy that. And the era of the internet these days that people can, you know, contact at any time, you know, on email as well. Um, so there's a lot of stress involved because, you know, you've got deadlines to meet, um, contracts to meet, you've got um, deals to put together. Um, you know, you've got to handle properties that sort of hit hurdles, whether there's a white inspection gone bad or a structural problem or, or just a finance clause that's sort of turned a pear shape and trying to negotiate with vendors and, and every individual vendor, um, rightfully so, expects that service that, mm-hmm. you know, you're there for them, you know, but you're, you're dealing with 10, 15, 20 or 30, you know, yeah. um, 
and you know that's why we're pretty good in our office because we're all working well we're all a great team everyone helps one another out um, so that takes that stress and pressure off everyone chips in but yeah it, it, it's, it's with you 24-7 like yeah. it, you go on a holiday um, you know you said you went away and you couldn't get reception it, that makes it very hard for me to go to a cruise or something that I mean, you can't get reception for for two weeks. It just wouldn't be able to be possible. I'd have to buy, you know, internet coverage and to make sure I'm I'm available and, and you know contact people. When you're doing these negotiations, mm-hmm. people probably don't realise that you're not the one saying no. It's Correct. it's somebody else yes. on the other side. So do you ever get any backlash? Oh yeah, yeah, you do. Um, not just for that, but you you do, and a lot of it you know it's not directed at you. A lot of them know. Um, they're just emotion. You're the you're the man they're talking to. Um, so you yeah you got to decipher that you know and go well it's not personal you know, um, and and they're not it's not and they know themselves they're not deliberately you know they'll apologise whatever and say no, I'm not having a go you no, no I realise that mate but you know I'm only negotiating for the owner and and we're a different era now everyone's educated like you you do it's a block and all that sort of stuff um, they know it's they, they tell you. You know, because so they know that you're doing the best for the job. A lot of people say, "Look, I know you're working for the landlord or the vendor. I know that." So that part of it's not a real big problem these days, as far as handling that side of things. But it's handling the disappointment, especially when a boom. We are in the moment. You know, you got a listing and there's six or seven trying to buy a property, and six are going to miss out if the seventh one buys it. You know, yeah. And how do you, as a business person, you got to be um, very transparent. Um, and very, you've got to be delicate how you negotiate with all those because you don't. It's hard not to keep everyone happy, and 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 to let them know in a way that they're not. Someone's going to miss out, mm. you know, and not be your fault for that reason to miss out, you know. So that's a balancing act, and that becomes stressful at times. You know, they used to keep me up at night once upon a time, and yeah. once upon a time, if, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, when I first started, was if it was a finance, I used to be so invested and so emotionally um, involved with a land with a vendor and. If I'd know the house was almost going to fall over because of finance before the owner would know, and I'd go to bed that night going, "Oh, how am I going to tell it to them?" And because I know what's at the end of them, because they they might have another purchase at the end of it, they might have something else at the other side of that sale. Um, and how am I going to talk to them about this? And you know, so you know, you you, you ride the ride with them. If yeah, that makes sense. You know. Yeah, it's, it's an experience thing. Mm. If I'm like you said, I've got this one asset. It's all I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say I want four hundred thousand dollars for it. You come over, look at it, and you say it's worth three fifty. Mm-hmm. How do you have that conversation? Well, we're pretty front. Like we've we've worked out um, a long time ago. I worked out, and we train our staff to be as upfront, as honest as possible. What we think it's worth um, because what we don't want, and I always say to 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 my owners, is that you know it's worth four hundred. I know you want four hundred, and I have the same conversation with everyone. Um, Everyone wants, wants more than what it's worth or, or more than, than what we say it's worth. Um, and if we say it's worth and they agree, they just want a bit more to cover costs and so forth. But what, what I say to them is, I don't want to tell you um, it's worth 400 um, because in three or four weeks' time, we're going to have 17 people through and I'm getting offers around 350 360 yeah. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I thought it was worth 360 You, you should take that. And if I said to you, Tony, it's worth 400 you're going to say, well, you didn't tell me it was worth 360 a few weeks ago. You know, you told me it was worth 400. So, um, and a lot of vendors are pretty smart and switched on and pretty savvy. Um, so we, what we would do is go, look, you know, look, it's worth it's worth 350, 360. 
um, whatever, you want 400, we're happy to have to try. That's how we don't get paid if we don't sell. So we'll be doing everything in our power to sell the home for you for yeah. 400. We'll yeah. do our best. And we're not saying it won't sell for that. We're just giving you the evidence of history and what's sold last three or four weeks of your experience and so forth and, and see what the public say. You know, and, and look, normally they have two or three quotes and agencies in. So the other battle is deal with the other agents that tell them what they want to hear. Um, and then that comes off and you go, right. And yeah. And they ring you six months later and go, can you sell a house, that agent? I've no. noticed. I've noticed that, actually. Yeah. I've noticed things um, get listed and then later on get listed with you guys and then go. Yes, it um, happens a lot. Yeah, um, and We'd rather that. have that conversation with them. And not do we say, look, we don't begrudge someone if they want to do that, and we'd rather do it with us because we're holding it. But if they to choose to go for another agent, we you know we wish them the best, and hopefully they do choose us if it doesn't sell. Hopefully it does for them because that's what you want. Um, but but you want them to sell with us, obviously. But if it fall, if it doesn't succeed, they come back to us. And yeah, we sell a lot, a lot of homes that other agents have that come back to us, and we sell at the price a bit more or bets we thought it was. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, what do you put the recent boom down to? Oh, she's shepherded um, the Garvin Valley. I put it down to um, probably the perfect storm to a degree and also the lead up to um, back when Susanna Shee took over um, as an independent. Um, that was a big change to the Garvin Valley. Um, in, in our area, um, we... It's bad. Like I, was seen, I was seen in the coalface. I was actually hearing countless telling clients not to invest in Shepparton. Like, this is Shepparton accountants telling Shepparton not to invest here. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, you know, why would you, you know, be, you know, down Shepparton for when Shepparton's got so much to offer and, and so forth. So when Susanna took over, it was more of an independent that, um, you know, you had the National Party for four decades and obviously Labor doesn't want National back in. So obviously Susanna had been very good in, in, in getting... Um, you know, funding for the hospital and, and funding, you know, obviously the courthouse, I'm not saying that's directly her, but all that funding that comes and Sam, whether you like it or not, the super school, whether you like it or not, um, you know, all of a sudden you're seeing confidence in the area where you've got packed in milk and freedom foods and those areas, those businesses flourish and um, all of a sudden Shepparton becomes a town or an area where people want to be. Um, you, you combine that um, with... You know, the low interest rates and that sort of stuff and the strong jobs, you know, contrary to belief, the strong work, um, employment here in this area if you want to work. Um, the, the median price range at the time is not that expensive. So from Melbourne, so to pay off a loan on a low interest rate is pretty appealing. So that, then obviously what's happened with COVID and the extension of sort of that $25,000 grant um, and all the other bonuses that the governments have given, it's just supercharged to whole area you know mm. I mean I've never seen um, I've sold land since I started working for Roland 23-4 years ago um, to now and I've never seen anything like it like to see that we've sold you know probably two years worth of stock in, in a matter of three or four months yeah. you know and it's just you know supercharged the whole thing Is that our grant still available? Yes it's been cut down to 15 to the end of March can you tell the people a little bit more about that? Like what yeah, so I think if you could buy a block of land, what the government did was extend it um, to because it was just too hard to happen. I think it was until December the 31st, it was $25,000 available, but you had to sign a contract uh, with a building company 
in nutshell before the 31st and you've got to start three months after that. Um, the government saw that that was just too hard to put that in so they've extended it from December the 31st to end of March um, but paid a 15000 so again got to sign a contract by December the 31st preferably be titled land um, and you know have start building within a certain amount of time after that and obviously builders are all over that um, so talk to your builders or ring your office if you want to know more about that but but um, but the problem we got at the moment is there's no land to give them um, so so what, what we when we see a resale block you know we're getting big dollars for resale blocks you know because they can they can build so there's a combination of things you can get your 15 grand plus you can save yourself you know an extra 12 18 months of rent if they've already sold you know so it's, it's a big saving if you can get a land now and build you know someone's just going to sell resell a block yeah definitely so you started um with work experience and then started in real estate how did you get to starting your own uh, agency yeah so um got headhunted worked for another agency was there for time um darren myself were 60 percent owners um of that business not many people knew that um that was we own majority of the business um lock business tends to happen that you know you know you don't see eye to eye whatever for whatever reason and relationships broke down partnerships broke down so we thought it was a good opportunity to start our own and, and the biggest thing was i didn't want to have my own name on the business neither did darren hmm. he's a scott part and um but then when we talked to um, clients and so forth, they were, they were saying, you know, we, what, what wouldn't you know, we'd do if you, because your name's on it, everyone knows you, you know. And so it evolved into Gagliardi Scott, and here we are five years later. Rolls off the tongue. I reckon it's a cool name. <laughs> At the time it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it took us a while to get over that hurdle. Um, yeah. But once it did, yeah, we were, we, we were comfortable with it. What was the first 12 months like? Busy. Okay. It, it was really busy. Um, it was exciting. It was fun. Um, <laughs> just expanding this business and um, yeah, it was what, the start of a journey. It was good. What did you envision? What you have now or no? Nah, I didn't envision what we have now. No, it's funny, you know, because I think Darren and I just wanted a business that we can and, and Gerald um, that wanted to um, have business that we could take over and be happy and you know have time with family and so forth and um, we didn't want to grow it too much just other just steady as she goes but didn't allow it to it's just yeah, exploded and got from bigger and bigger and stronger i think we started with six or seven staff we've got 19 now um yeah just not what i wanted or envisaged but it's just gone that way and because you're so in, entrenched in what you're doing it just goes and it naturally grows you know yeah you were saying um you were saying off air how COVID put things in perspective for yeah. you yeah yeah uh, do you feel like taking a step back from the business these days, or yeah, with balance, with balance, I think you got to got to realise that um, you can't spend, you know, not eighty percent of your time on the business is not not healthy, you know. So I've got to find time for myself, family. Um, it was great. I think everyone probably experienced this. It was it was COVID was great in that I got to see my kids again. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that, what I mean by that is, is that um, you know they weren't going out. They weren't. You couldn't go out. You know, you couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. And they weren't seeing their friends because you couldn't go to people's houses. But so it was great having meals and 
just seeing your kids and, and seeing family and catching up and it was just great and going for walks and you know just smelling the air a bit it was yeah. that, in that regards was, that was fantastic on the back of my mom going god what am I going to do after business how's it going to affect all, all that but I sort of took myself early days before all these announcements come out that, that everyone's in the same boat it's irrelevant yeah it doesn't matter so just enjoy the time you know and then you know, think to yourself is it really worth it all that um, energy and time and you know you, the most important things is your family and you don't want to miss that going, going forward and you deserve to enjoy the fruits of your labour like 22 years you said yeah working your ass off obviously yeah, grinding because it's non-stop like it don't don't so your phone's never off yeah yeah mm. What uh, what are you? What's the plans for your kids? Like, what are their dreams? Um, well, Maddie's studying at the moment to get into uni to do social services, um, which I'm really proud of her about because she's found something she wants and wants to do, and she's striving to achieve that. Um, I, you know, I think she'll be very good at it. She's got that caring nature with, um, with you know, kids and that. So that, I think that. Yeah, she'll be really good. So I'm really, really proud of her. She's working with me at the moment, so balancing study, and that at the moment, till she, I think she get, looks to get into uni about July this year. Um, and Jaden's finished uni. I finished, sorry, uh, high school, um, year twelve. He's currently working at Shep's Pallets with Trav Hampshire, and I'm actually pretty happy about that because he gets to work his butt off and you know yeah. from six o'clock in the morning until two thirty, he's, he's, he's going he, he, when he puts his mind he has a crack i'm proud of him he's not he doesn't um shirk a hard work he's probably seen him in the gym harley here he goes but he doesn't mind that he doesn't mind hard work and he puts his he's pretty strong-minded i mean he's got a dream he, he he's um currently in the bush rangers murray bush rangers list he was unfortunate to play last year because of covid um but so he wants to obviously tick that off and obviously achieve that and hopefully you know what he comes from there is you know whether it's high leagues or whatever that's that's his ambition but um he's going to start in a month's time with um david or a friend of mine he's got um, civil engineering place okay so he's given him an opportunity because he's um you know i think you enjoy that it gives him they'll give him a bit of perspective a bit like madison if sort of if that was what they like they he might do that. Um, his ambition possibly was to be a PE teacher, but I think um, that might be me trying to give him ideas potentially. So hopefully that is the case, or it's not. It's up to him. Um, but now he's got structure and and drive to, to achieve something. You know, so pretty yeah. proud of the both of them, really. So when I when I see him train, he's got this laser focus about him, yes. and I can appreciate that, especially in younger, like yeah. the younger generation. One day I was doing a boot camp down at the Oval, and all us guys were in the shade. And here I see Jaden just jog around the jog around the uh, footy oval, and it was like forty degrees, and he's just going yeah. by himself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He didn't need anyone on his case to do it. Yeah, he was just putting in the hours. Yeah, nobody's watching. Yeah, no one's watching. And that's the way he likes to be. He's, he's, he's a bit introverted like that. So he, he just wants to do it on his own. He does it. He doesn't want the fanfare. He's he just goes and does it. You know, and um, yeah, he, he and now he learned that too early days. He. Um, he got cuffed at the Bush Rangers when he was sixteen, right at the last minute, and he wasn't fit enough. And he was, he was, um, he knew it. He, I think he kidded himself. I think that really hurt him. And he got cut a couple of years ago from under seventeens, and he worked in really, really hard. He, I'd never seen him work so hard. And he, when he was just gutted when he got cut, and as a family, you take that with him. But it was, it's made him stronger. Like he, he just resilient. Um, 
you know, went and played some terrific footy for Chef Footy Club. That year as a 16-year-old, um, it was the best learning curve ever for him. So, yeah, he knows what it takes. Um, he knows what he's got to do. And, yeah, he's driven. When his mind's right, he's, yeah, yeah. he's right, yeah. Can you remember a time specifically where you've just been doing your job, like yeah. what you were supposed to do, but you've leased a commercial property to a, like a young business owner or you've sold a house to a maybe a, a couple with a, a brand new baby and they've just been so ecstatic that it's affected you? Oh, Jesus, I wasn't expecting that question. Um, multiple, like I've had that many feelings a, a lot of times. Like I, I reckon... Um, more the so when ones where you're looking for someone um, and you're finding they're what they want and their dream. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that 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 um, that means a lot because you, you've sort of gone out of your way to do it and you get a lot that send you personal messages and, and, and you know, thank you for making the dream come true. This is amazing. And that that means a lot, yeah. you know, when that happens because you go, wow, you know, because, you know, they really do appreciate it. Because we live in an era where people just expect it and... Yeah, you know, it's his job, or you know, people don't really appreciate, but you know, you love it. Yeah, you get that a lot. Commercially, is a bit different. Commercially, um, is business. It's more of a business type um, transaction. Um, like yourself, I was right for you when you took that. Yeah, I knew you wanted it. Like I, yeah. I could see, I, I could see that you were you were um, wanting to start the business. And like I've got one just recently. I've just leased um, and. Terrific landlords and terrific, going to be terrific young kids, um, and they're just raw in how to do a commercial transaction um, in the lease. And, and and look, so are the the landlords, but they're both terrific people, like ter- parties, like terrific parties. And I see it so often. Later on, when they get to know one another, they just they hit it off, or when that happens, and. And I've just wrapped for this because he's been trying for twelve months with COVID kicked in, and he's sort of back on it. He's, he, they both, the couple, both stuck at it, stuck at it, and I know they're going to be successful because they've got the right business model. But they're very analytical, they're conservative, but not they're conservative in how they're going to go about it. But they're very, um, they they're having a, a crack at having a business. Their businesses will be successful because it's the right growth field. Um, but I know by the way they've gone about it that they'll be good. Yeah, great. Where I see others, I can see, they, uh, you just know straight away, I tell myself, you just, you know, these people are, they're dreamers because they're just the questions they're asking or they don't realise, you know, that they just go, they're not, I can't recommend them to them yeah. anymore, you know, it's yeah. not going to happen. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been selling some gym equipment on um, the Marketplace, Facebook, oh, yeah, yeah. and yesterday I put up some stuff and there was a section to sell my house. Yes. You can sell your house on Facebook? Yeah, you can sell your house on Facebook. I sell it on my, our Facebook site, but the people sell it on, on that, is it Gumtree or whatever they sell it to? Or whatever. Yeah, how do, like, yeah. can you legally do yeah. that? or? Yeah, yeah, you can sell your own home. Yeah. yeah. Well, is that something that you worry about? Nah. Nah, look, I, it doesn't happen very often. There's, there's, um, it's, I hope no one gets offended by this if people put their house in the market privately, but, um, not often there's a winner in someone who sells a house privately. Okay. Uh, like if someone wants a property for sale sign, there's not always there's, there's always the loser is going to either be the buyer or the, or the seller, um, because um, the owner's trying to save cash or trying to save money or they've had a bad experience with an agent or, or whatever. Um, but they're not up to date with the marketplace. They don't up to date for 
the database that you've got. They're up to date with who's, who could be a time waster, who could not be, and all that sort of stuff. And the same on the flip side, you've got a, a buyer that's looking to buy their um, property and looking for advice, and um, they can ask where they're sort of going to be cold. Um, and they don't know what the market potentially sometimes is. They could pay well over the odds, or yeah. in the case of an owner, they could sell it well under the odds you know, as well. So. Yeah, with big business, it would always be best to get an expert in the field. A lot of people don't have the time to to sell their own home. That's one that worried yeah, okay, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, you're not concentrating on it. You're not, not experienced. Like, I get owners will ring me and question um, certain steps of the transaction. Um, and they'll go, no, that's normal, that's right. And you, you ease them through and you, you, you go through the process and... Um, and some ring up and they're stressed and they're, oh, you know, and oh, it's okay, it's all good, this is normal. You know, like, oh, thank God, yeah. you know, thank God. And even as simple as, and this is a little bit digressive, but even as simple as a final inspection, people are panicking because their house is not ready, but someone wants to look at a final. I said, it's okay. Every house that sells, people are still packing, you know, the last day. Yeah. You know, and just things like that that, um, you know, people worry you. You're there to give them advice and, and so forth. And, yeah, it's... I don't. You don't see a lot of private sales, but if they do, I think a lot of them are trying to get ahead of the game. But some win, but but some don't. Yeah. 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 I understand. Um, last two questions, Rocky. Yes. How do you feel about your life and reflection from this point now? Jesus, we spoke about this the other, last night. Actually, I didn't know this question was coming up. Um, oh, yesterday it was. Um, Look, I'm pretty happy with my life. Um, you got one chance at it. Um, when I was growing up, in you know, you reflect back when I was younger, I didn't think I was going to be much more than a factory worker, you know, and because I didn't wasn't smart at school. And um, if you said to me back when I was 18, you're going to own um, two successful businesses in your journey, and and you're going to be very successful at what you do, you're going to have a really chosen career path. I would have said, you know, no way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How, how can you not be, you know, proud of, you know, where I'm at at the moment? I've got two beautiful kids. I've got a beautiful wife. Um, I've got great staff that work for me, great family. I mean, I don't know. nothing to be sad about. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, like we said, you put in the work and now you yeah. get to reap the rewards. Yeah. Last question, who locally inspires you? My mum. Um... She might, I might not show that, but uh, I always look back at things in myself and, you know, if things get a bit tough or, you know, and you, we're in a, my industry is pretty emotionally, you're invested all the time, so it does become stressful until, you, until you're in it, you don't realise, and things get a bit tough and I always look about mum and, you know, she, I think about her journey and she, she tracks over from um, Italy on a three-month boat to meet dad who's never met before um, and then come to a, a, in a foreign country that no one, she knows no one. Like, get to know my dad's family. And and then all she knows is us and the, the, the work ethic she did and you know, to bring us ahead and, and do it with no education, do it with nothing um, and just see the day-to-day battles and, you know, she cares for dad. And, you know, I just think, I look at her and I go, wow, you know, I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that, and how you could do it, and how you just get up and keep doing and keep trudging, and you know, day in day out, I just couldn't do it, you know. But she does, and that that inspires me because I think, well, 
you know, she can do that and you can do anything, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's great, Rocky. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Alex, for having me.